Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Blessings or Gratification. Blessings or Gratification, Genesis 25, 27 to 34. Now, we're, yes, we are in the book of Mark, but I'll connect the dots for you in just a minute here. I made a couple of mistakes. My first mistake was going into ministry. Although I did fight that tooth and nail, as some of you know, I fought that hard. My second mistake was teaching, preaching last week about how God uses suffering for positive purposes. That was my second mistake. If you weren't here last week, get the CD, go on the podcast site. And we talked about how we must deny ourselves, and then we must deny ourselves. We were in Mark chapter 8, 34 to 38. We must deny ourselves plus die to self equals finding ourselves. Finding ourselves, finding our Christ-given self, finding ourselves in Christ. That was what I, we talked about, denying and dying to self to find ourselves in Christ. So uh, this week I didn't die, but I felt like I was going to. <laughs> uh, Tuesday night I went to the emergency room after about four hours of intense pain, the worst pain I've ever felt, although Kim kept saying it's not as bad as, as, being, as labor. Uh, I said, yeah, it is, it's worse, it's worse. And so... Uh, I, I was Googling, we were Googling, and I, I found the appendix and the pain. I'm like, this has got to be it. My appendix is going to burst. And some of you have had appendix problems know what that's like. So I got a little nervous. So after four hours of intense pain, I said, let's go to the emergency room. We went, and I get there, and I and was in a lot of pain. So they gave me some, you know, medica- medicine. It was, wasn't too strong, but it helped a lot. And then the doctor said, well, it could be appendix, but it could be a kidney stone. But you've had three hernia surgeries, so it could be blockage, uh, obstruction. <laughs> uh, so uh, he said, let's do an x-ray and we'll figure this out. So he did an x-ray and, and, and he comes back and now I'm feeling better. The pain is almost gone and I'm feeling better. And Kim's Googling on, the, on her, her smartphone there trying to figure out what it is. And she says, yeah, kidney stones. Here it is. She starts reading, oh, that could be it. That could definitely be it. She says, this woman said it's worse than labor. I said, see? You know? And she goes, yeah, but you haven't done it 13 times. So... <clears throat> I hope I don't. Uh, so they do this, the x-ray, and he comes in. He says, I'm a little concerned. It could be obstruction. I'm like, no, no, not obstruction. Because then I'm not going home anytime soon, right? And I know what that means. And so I'm like, God, please, not that. The nurse comes in. She's, she, she's calmed me down. She says, I think it could be a gallstone or a kidney stone. It could be gallstone. She was going through all this stuff, right? So finally, it's like midnight. I said, Kim, go home. We're going to be here all night. Just go home. There's no point in both of us being exhausted. She didn't want to go. I, I said, go home, please. Josh came, picked her up, left me the car. And I had a good long talk with God in the hospital. Much needed and very productive. There's nothing like fear and suffering to get you focused spiritually, right? So I'm having this very nice talk with God, much needed. And after a about an hour and a half alone there praying and uh, didn't even turn on the TV. I was like, God, please, let me go home. You know, but, but help me through it, whatever, you, whatever the purpose is. And there were several things he had to deal with in my heart, so it was good. Then the doctor comes in with the good news that it was a kidney stone. So, and I was, oh, thank you, doctor, thank you. He goes, don't thank me, you might not like this news. But, but, uh, but I was just thrilled it wasn't any surgery. But he gave me a little medicine. He said, you you've been through the worst of it, you know, it, it, you will probably won't even notice it when it passes, and sure enough, I didn't, I woke up the next, I was so happy, I floated home in the car, drove home in the car, and uh, got home, I was just so excited, and uh, went to sleep, woke up, it was all gone, you know, it was all, I was fine, so um, I, was, I was very, 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 very happy about that, all because 
last week I preached about <laughs> suffering and how God uses that in a positive way. And I got to experience it firsthand. Be careful what you preach. Be careful what you say, right? Uh, denying our, We talk about denying ourselves and dying to self to, for, for God's good purpose. And I want to look at an Old Testament picture of this. I, we're going to go be back to Mark chapter 9 next week, so don't worry, we'll be back in Mark. But I just been, this one has kind of been incubating for a while and, and from Genesis 25. It's an Old Testament picture of what we kind of talked about last week, really an inverse picture, someone who didn't deny themselves in the result in their life. And it's a warning for all of us. It's a good warning for me. I was praying through a lot in the hospital. It's a good warning for all of us, this, this story about what happens if we won't deny and die to self. Instead of finding ourselves in Christ, we lose our life that Christ wants us to live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for bringing each one of us here. We know we're here for a reason. We know that you've laid this Bible passage before us for a reason. There's, there's something for each of us. We just pray for your mercy and grace and your Holy Spirit to speak to us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up here with Genesis 25. And I'm going to start with uh, verse 27. We'll read 27 through to the end. Okay, it's the story of Jacob and Esau. And I'm just picking it up here. It says, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now I'm not going to get into the whole Jacob and Esau story because that would take a whole year and we're still in the book of Mark, which has been a while. So we're not going to get into the whole story. Except the only thing I'm going to say about the whole story with that is that God called Jacob. He chose him to receive his blessings. So there was no need for him to scheme and to later to deceive in order to get his blessings, right? He didn't have to do all that. But those are all lessons for Jacob later on. Today I want to focus on Esau and how he despised his birthright and his blessings. He despised his birthright and his blessings because many of us, well, all of us at times do it, right? But many of us do the same thing. We trade long-term blessings for short-term instant gratification. I'm going to say that again because this is key. We trade long-term blessings for short-term instant gratification. Look what happened. Esau comes in. He's probably, probably been out hunting, right? He's a hunter. He's really hungry. Why? He's probably empty-handed. He didn't get anything. If you, those who are hunters know what that's like. You don't get anything. But he, he's like starving out there. If he had shot something, he probably would have eaten it raw. He's so hungry, right? Really, really hungry. And he wants some of Jacob's he-man chunky stew, soup, chunky soup now. He wants that chunky soup. You know those commercials, right? And he wants it now. And he's willing to sell his birthright for it. And the, the 
birthright was the inheritance of the first son. And in this culture, it was huge. The inheritance of the first son was huge. It was prestige, it was money, and it was also blessings. There was a blessing that came from the father. And you see later on when uh, Isaac did the blessing and, and the whole thing, there's a huge blessing that came with it too. But he has to wait for that. He's got to wait for his dad to die, right? That's a long way off, right? Uh, He wants the stew now. He wants that stew right now. It's all he can think about. He's not thinking about the long term, you know, all the great things he's going to get, inheriting all this stuff. He inherits two-thirds of the property probably, and and he's going to get, you know, all kinds of blessings. And he, he can't even think about the long term. All he can think about is, is this He-Man stew, and he wants it right now. That's a long way off. His hunger is now. Now, he, he could have gone out and fixed himself a sandwich, <laughs> right? But no, he wanted to eat right now. He had to have it now. So he trades his birthright and the long-term blessings for a bowl of soup and instant gratification. Doesn't that sound really stupid? It's unbelievable. Except we do it all the time. We trade, think of the things we traded, our peace, our joy, for the stupidest little sins, right? Dumbest little things. And later we're like, what did I do? Why did I think that? Why did I do that? Why did I watch that? Why did I, why did I eat that? Why did I smoke that? Why did I huff that? You know, what, what did I do? Why did I drink this? What am I doing? But we, we, it's, it's unbelievable. We're just like Esau many times, aren't we? I want to look, look over, let's look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 16 to 17, where he talks a little bit more about this. Hebrews 12, 16 says, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. It says here he sold the inheritance for a single meal. It's unbelievable, right? And he regretted it later. The he-man even cried giant tears, crocodile tears. The he-man started crying. But it didn't do any good. It was too late. Because you know why? He had remorse but not repentance. That's why it didn't do any good. There was remorse, but not repentance, which I want to explain to you in just a minute. There's a big difference between remorse and repentance. It's a huge difference. Remorse regrets the effects of our action, but repentance changes our actions. You catch the difference? Judas had remorse. He went out and hung himself, right? Now, remorse regrets the effects of our actions. Why do I have to suffer this, what I just did? Repentance changes our actions. Esau had remorse, but he never repented. How do we know he never repented? Because he says right here in Hebrews, he was godless. He was godless. That's how we know he never repented. And not only did it say he was godless, but his life's actions, his life actions showed that he never repented, that he just had remorse, but not repentance. First of all, uh, I'm not going to go into all the different things in his life, but a couple of things that jump out. One is, he decided that he was going to get back at Jacob and fix the problem by murdering Jacob. He came up with a plan. I'm going to, he, he just, another impulsive decision, right? I'm going to shoot him just like I shoot the deer, just like I shoot a bear. I'm going to shoot Jacob. I'm going to do away with him. And he didn't learn anything, right? 
He hadn't learned. Uh, once again, not thinking of, he's thinking, doing something impulsive, not thinking of long-term consequences for murder because you might get the inheritance, but you're not going to get to spend it because you're going to, justice is going to catch up. Well, yeah, there's justice then, right? Not only that, there's another thing that, that very interesting that showed that he didn't have repentance he just had remorse. It's in Genesis 26. We're just in Genesis 25. In Genesis 26, verses 34 to 35, it says something very interesting. It connects the dots here for us. Verse 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Barry the Hittite, and also Basmoth, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. He married two godless women, Hittites, idol worshipers. Not just one, <laughs> but he went out and married two of them. <laughs> you know, he married two of them against his parents' godly wishes. In this culture, the parents would pray and God would lead them to who they were to marry. And they would find a godly spouse for their sons or daughters. But he went against that. Because you know why? The same guy who couldn't wait for the food to cook, right? Same guy who couldn't wait for the food to cook didn't wait for a blessed love life or a blessed sexual life that God wanted him to have. Couldn't wait for that. He didn't wait for his parents and God to find him a godly wife to marry. Instead, he went out and impulsively married a couple women that were ungodly. Once again, we see that he has got this whole impulsive, instant gratification, not going to wait for anybody thing going, right? How many times do we do the same thing? Boy, it's convicting, isn't it? How many times do we do the same thing? God tells us how to live in order to be blessed so that we can have peace and joy and the fulfillment and the life that he wants us to have. He doesn't say don't do all these things you know, that, are, that the Bible says don't do to spoil our fun. He knows they're really not fun. They're instant gratification, but they're empty and destructive, and they're going to hurt us. That's why. He loves us. So he tells us how to live to really enjoy life. He tells us how to have this, but we choose sin instead. Sex is still a big one. God says, wait for marriage. Wait for marriage to have sex. And then when you do get married, marry a Christian spouse. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? God says, find a godly spouse. Very, very important. Tells us this. But so often we call Esau... And we suffer the consequences, don't we? Whether, we, whether it's dating a non-Christian, getting sexually involved with a non-Christian, marrying a non-Christian, there are consequences. Anytime we go against God's word when it has to do with, with sex, there's consequences. Pastors have affairs all the time. A lot of my very good friends this past year got knocked out of ministry. And I'm not judging them only by God's grace. So I'm still in ministry. I get that completely. But, but a, a pastor, that one slip up and they're out of ministry forever they're done they lose their ministry and often much more they lose their families often it's, but it's not just pastors any any men many men affairs or pornography which you know maybe you don't have an actual affair but the pornography and all that comes along with that that's the same thing it drains our love and our passion for our marriage 
Maybe it's premarital sex. Premarital sex, which if you have sex before you get married, even if it's the person you're going to marry, it subtracts from the blessing that God has for your marriage. It subtracts from it. It, 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 and, if you, and if there's other people involved, it subtracts even more. It subtracts from the, the, our love life. Every time you're, you're withdrawing something from a bank account, you're withdrawing emotional, spiritual, mental, physical enjoyment that God has stored up for us, we're withdrawing that. But oftentimes, there's that, that instant gratification also leads to other long-term problems. Some, many times, there's pregnancies involved. And, and if, if you, you decide you're going to have the baby and keep it, it changes your life. Changes, changes your life. There's, it's still a blessing. The baby's still a blessing. But it does change your life. Your whole life is affected. But so often, instead of that, girls and the boys turn to abortion. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I know a lot of you have been through abortion. You've, we've prayed together. We've talked about it. If you're here and you have gone through that and you've never got your healing, get your healing. Talk to Kim, talk to me. We'll connect you with someone in the church. We'll sit down and tell you how God has given them healing through this. But that's, what, what is abortion? Abortion is Esau. Esau's going to take care of his problem. He made an instant gratification decision, so he's going to kill Jacob, get rid of the problem. That's what abortion is. Instant gratification, I'm going to get rid of the problem. I'm going to kill it. Same thing. It's an Esau decision. And then you have to live with long-term consequences. The pain and, and, and the guilt and the struggle with that. Even finding God's mercy and grace, there's still that constant lifelong regret that you have to face. But by God's grace, you can get the healing. Oftentimes with sex, it's STDs or even AIDS. You can repent, but you still have to live with the damage, right? You still have to live with the damage of that. You see, that's why in Hebrews 12, it's connected. Ungodly sex. See what it says? Verse 16. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. It's connected. Ungodly sex is a picture of godless Esau. It's when we trade future, our future, for moments of pleasure. That's the picture of it. Food is another great example. There's lots of examples. It's not just sex. That's an easy one that, that the writer of Hebrews connected. You can see it easily, right? But food's another example. We eat unhealthy, and then we trade, our, we trade a healthy life because we're eating unhealthy, right? I'm not talking about you have a Sunday one, so I'm not, not guilting everybody. But it's that constant pattern of eating unhealthy, and you suffer the, we suffer the consequences for that. We trade a healthy life. You could apply it to anything. It could be drinking, could be drugs, could be smoking, could be are we going to cheat or, or study for an exam? Are we going to be lazy and steal, or are we going to work hard? You can see it, you could apply it to anything in our life. I'm just using a couple. I'm sure many of us are thinking of things in our life, right? I know I did as I was putting, you know, studying this and working through this. I, I fear for our teenagers because our whole culture encourages this. Instant gratification, feeling driven, whatever you feel like, whatever you want, take it, live it, do it, smoke it, you know, sleep with it, whatever it is. That the whole culture is driven to that. See, I know... When I was growing up, these things were still hard, but the culture was like encouraging self-discipline and, 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 and not giving into stuff and fighting and character development. 
It started when you were little. You could take a kid to the store and they want everything they see. I want that kitty. I want this. I want that. No, no. They, they learn. They're not going to get everything. Unless they're with me. They're with mom. They, they don't get anything. But they, they get a little too much. But anyway, that, we won't go into that. But, but that, that's what, why. Because a two-year-old wants everything. But what if you gave them everything? They'd throw up in the car on the way home, you know? And they'd be, it wouldn't be good for them. But they want everything. But in time, they learn, I can only have certain things. And I get special things, ice cream, certain times, not every day, all, whenever I want it. I can't eat anything I want anytime. I can't drink anything. They, they, they learn. That's how you learn. That's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> Parents aren't doing quite as good a job as they used to do with that. But so many, of us, so many now never learn these lessons. And, it's in, and for teenagers now, the culture is instant gratification and feeling driven. The ads, if you, why are all the ads aimed at teenagers? Have you noticed that? They're not aimed at parents. They're aimed at teenagers. You know why? Because they have a lot of money and very little self-control. And they've grown up on video games. You know, this video game culture where, where you're addicted to constant stimuli and rewards. It's just pushing a button, pushing a button. Constant rewards and stimuli. I'm not saying it's wrong to ever play video games. Uh, we've got a few video games at our house, as you know. But, but it's, it's a constant stimuli and instant reward. And that's what, what happens with, with the teenagers. It, it's the Ridlin generation. The pill generation. And, and, and we, we, because of this culture, they've never been taught self-control. Just take a pill that will control them and, and keep them in control and keep them docile and, and, and control them that way. But at, we as parents have realized is it doesn't work. We're just putting off the day of reckoning, aren't we? Because what we found out as parents is if, we don't, if they don't learn self-control when they're little with little problems, guess what? We're going to pay for it when they're big with big problems, aren't we? That's what we're finding out as parents and as a whole culture, a whole society. We, we found that out. We're going to pay for it. I sat down with some young adults recently. I'm not going to say who they were. But I sat down with them, and they really opened my eyes to some of this stuff. And, and one of them said, you know what? I used to, doctors prescribed all this stuff because I, I had these problems, and, and uh I realized I was just masking my problems. I quit taking this stuff because it was just masking. I have pain in my life, and I need healing for that pain. And that pill doesn't heal me. It just covers it up. I need to deal with the pain, deal with the trial, deal with the struggle in my life, and grow through it. Another young adult I sat down with said, you know, I was shocked. I went to school, and everybody and my dorm is taking something from a doctor. And not only are they taking it, but they're selling it or giving it away or sharing it. And most of the kids, half the kids are, have prescriptions, the other half don't, and they just use their stuff. They're using other people's drugs. But what I'm seeing is, and I'm telling my friends, you don't need that stuff. You, you're no different than me. You don't need it. You're just using it because it makes you feel better. You're just using it to fill a hole. You're just using it as a drug. It's the same as smoking pot or, you know, shooting up something. You're just using it. You don't need this stuff. And it was a real eye-opening, and he was telling me, that's what most people do in college. They're just trying to fill that hole. They're trying to, it, it's, instead of dealing with working on long-term character and blessings, they want the instant gratification. That's what they want. 
we all have to learn to say no to instant gratification in return for long-term blessings. We have to learn that. And maybe you're taking your life some mess. You're like, wow, you're describing me. Oh, no, I'm describing myself. If you're, just, you're hearing yourself, you're joining the club, right? But maybe our life is a mess. Maybe we're dealing with a stronghold in our life. I was watching one of the kids, an animal special with the kids not too long ago, and they were showing the lions in Africa hunting wildebeest. And some of the little ones were like, Dad, why are we watching this? Well, I grew up on a farm, you know that. But, uh, but, but the lions, what they would do with these wildebeest is they would find one, and they'd latch onto it. They would just grab a hold of it by the neck or the nose or the ear, somewhere on it, and they would just hang there. They couldn't take them down. These wildebeest are powerful, strong. Lions aren't big enough to take them down. But they grab them, and they just hang there. Three of them at the same time just hang on the wildebeest. And little by little, the wildebeest starts to get weaker and weaker, and sometimes they get their ear cut off, and all of a sudden the wildebeest is down, and then they're done. They're down. And that's what happens with us. We have these strongholds in our life. We have these struggles in our life. We, have, we, have, we are scarred from all the lions scratching us for so long. We're bleeding. And, and sooner or later, we, we collapse. We have to learn how to break the grip. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, we have to learn how to, have to break the grip. And, and the Bible teaches us how to do this. We, we've talked about this before. We have to repent, renounce, Resist and renew. And if you weren't here for any of that, see me because I got some great, I'll help you with this. We need to see a Christian counselor. Maybe we need to see a Christian counselor or just dealt with another brother or sister in the church and learn how to repent, renounce, which means to break it, resist, resist the devil, renew, become a new person in Christ. We have to learn how to do it. But the starting point is repentance. Are we going to have remorse or repentance? That is the starting point. Doesn't mean we won't ever struggle again. If you repent, doesn't mean we're ever, never going to struggle again. Doesn't mean we'll never fall again, but it means we'll get back up again. We shake that lion off. We got a few more scars, right? Got a few more scars. We shake it off and we get back on our feet and we fight again. It, that, 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 that's what it means. It doesn't mean we're never going to struggle, but it means we keep on battling. And the key in this battle, and the, the whole key is Hebrews. We already looked at Hebrews 12. But if we go to Hebrews 4, back up a few, few chapters there, in Hebrews 4, 16, it gives us the key here. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It means we got to come right to God's throne. No matter what we've just done, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're thinking about doing, we've got to come right to that throne and ask for mercy and grace. Mercy is forgiveness for what we've done. Grace is to help us not to do again. It means to get, come right to God and say, God, I need forgiveness. I need your help and strength. I need you. It's that constant mercy and grace. I want to encourage you. Don't get stuck in the life of an Esau. It was too late for him. Too late. But it is never too late for us. It's not too late. God's mercy and grace is there for us till our last breath. Till our last breath. Thief on the cross. His last breath. He found mercy and grace. It's never too late for us. Never too late. Yeah, many here, yes, there are consequences. There is discipline. Yeah, God disciplines us. There's consequences. Some pain we'll always have to live with. Some things we, we can't, can't, can't change. But God takes our mess and creates something beautiful out of it. He's the ultimate junk artist. 
the ultimate junkyard. He could take any mess and bring some blessing out of that. Anybody. The first step is giving your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never asked for forgiveness from him and put your faith in him and given your life to him. That is the first step is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. First step, God, please forgive my sin. I repent. Please forgive my sin. I believe Jesus died on that cross for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. That is the first step to breaking free of a life of Esau. First step. Maybe you're a Christian and you've already done it, but you're still messing up. Guess what? We're always going to be messing up. We all have kryptonite. Any Superman fans out there? I used to hate that, that kryptonite stuff. I love Superman, and he'd be fighting the bad guys, and he'd be saving the world, and then there'd be some evil guy with kryptonite. And Superman would be melting right on the TV set, black and white TV set, melting there, and then he'd fallen down and weak, and, and a woman could have kicked him in the head and knocked him over, and I'm like, no, no, this can't happen to Superman. Then somebody would get rid of the kryptonite, and he'd get back up again and beat everybody. But we all have kryptonite. There's something in our life, probably, everyone here could say, that's my kryptonite. That's the one thing that takes me out, will take me out, can take me out any time. We have to make a daily decision then. Knowing this, knowing that we all have kryptonite, we have to make a daily decision, a daily choice. Am I going to choose instant gratification or long-term blessing? Every day, you're going to have to make that decision. Many times... Every hour you're going to have to make it. Sometimes it's every minute some days, right? Am I going to choose instant gratification or long-term blessing? And once we make up our mind, that's when mercy and grace kicks in. God will do anything but make up our mind. But once we make up our mind, he'll give us that mercy and grace. Then we kick right back to Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace. And boy, if you don't pray for mercy and grace, I don't know how you're still here. I must pray it a hundred times a day. God, mercy and grace. Forgive me and help me. Mercy and grace. Over and over and over. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? How is he speaking to us? Maybe here today and you need to take the first step. The first step of giving your life to Jesus Christ. To surrendering your life to him. To finding new life in Jesus Christ, the son of God. Knowing that he died on the cross to pay for our sin. He took our place on that cross. Knowing that he rose again from the dead to prove he had the power to defeat sin. And to give us a brand new life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right where you're sitting you can give your life to Jesus Christ. Just say God I repent. 
of my sin, everything wrong I've ever done, I repent of that and ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. And I give my life to him. I'm going to follow him. Forgiveness, faith, and following. If you've prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here. or Tell me. Fill out the card. Tell me on the way out. Text me. Call me. Anything. Email. Let somebody know so that we could be excited and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Because things have radically changed. You will never be the same again. God has a whole new life for you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What decision do we need to make? Because God won't decide it for us. Will we choose instant gratification or God's long-term blessings? And if you're choosing long-term blessings, then you're going to need mercy and grace because we cannot do it. Father, I pray that each one of us would know your mercy and grace in a powerful way, that you're just waiting to forgive us with your mercy and you're just waiting to give us your grace. No matter what we've done or what mess we're in or what's knocked us down and pulled us down, we can get back up and walk in faith. I pray that your spirit would move in a powerful way in our lives. We would realize this in a powerful way. In Jesus' name.